Hi, Clay here. One of the things I love about for networking is the opportunity to meet a variety of interesting business owners and entrepreneurs, people who are doing some really amazing things in business. I recently attended the Warwick Breakfast Meeting and I got a chance to listen to Peter Edwards of Edwards Performance Speak. I'm a big fan myself, a big fitness nut, and I've been involved with health and fitness since my days in the Army. And I can say, hand on heart, that Peter opened my eyes to some amazing facts about nutrition and performance. And not just as a fitness nut, but as an entrepreneur where productivity and mental alertness are key components of success. Now, you'll want to listen to this podcast until the very end, because I guarantee you, you'll gain some useful information that you can implement today. So enjoy. Okay, what your body has to take is a function of the level at which your body is performing, at the cellular level, at the organ system level, and then at the higher intellect level. Um, those levels of performance are a function of biology. You know, Your ability to concentrate is a function of the levels of neurotransmitters, dopamine and acetylcholine that you have, not whether or not your email is on all day. Okay, So if you, when I'm, I'm talking to people at four ends. I really enjoy talking to people at four ends because everyone here runs businesses for themselves. They, they uh, you know, make money based on how hard they can work and how much they can work and how effectively they can work. We all want to be able to work more hours. We, I, I guess that the majority of people in the room do what they do because they love it, not because they thought that was going to be the thing that was going to make them uh, a vast amount of money. Although that's a nice product if you can make your money doing something that you love. So when you're doing something that you love, you're not like the average person who works a nine-to-five who really is just trying to get paid and get home. You want to be able to give more to it because you want to be able to get more out of it. So if I talk a little bit, just very briefly, about how I got into doing what I do. I started um, doing a three-year internship in sports science support for a basketball academy that was part of a college. When I finished my internship, I got the job as the head strength and conditioning coach. When the academy split from the college and went private, I became the director of performance. My role as director of performance, my job was to be in control of everything that was performance related that wasn't actually basketball on the court. That means how the athletes slept, how stressed they were, what they ate, what, how they trained, absolutely everything. And the prizes that we were playing for were college scholarships to the United States universities. We even got one guy to go to um, North Carolina, which is the same university that Michael Jordan attended. So for a British kid, to get a place, a full ride scholarship at a division one school in America, A, it's worth about $250,000 over four years. It's a massive amount of free education. B, there's only 1.5% of all high school basketball players in America get a college scholarship. So the British kid has got to outplay and be better than 99.5% basically of all American um, uh, high school players, which is a big feat. The difference in sports performance between first and last place on average in any event is around about 2%. Okay? So if you think when Mo Farah won that 10,000 meters, then the guy that came last, who was you know, in real terms like a country mile behind him, that's 2%. So when first and last is separated by 2% and you're trying to be in the top 2% of everybody that does what you do on the planet, tiny little improvements in performance is absolutely massive. When I stepped away from that role and I opened my own business and, and started helping people that weren't athletes, I was amazed by the level of performance people were actually willing to accept and perceived it to be normal. 
Having to have coffee to get you through the afternoon is not normal. The human body is supposed to have a tremendous amount of energy. Needing little crushes like that, not waking up after a, a, a restful sleep, not being able to sleep well each night is not normal human performance. They are dysfunctions, okay? So what this talk is about is, is I've got about 14, 20 points here that can help you. I'm not going to get through all of them, but I'll try and cover the most impactful ones. These are small things that you can do, that you can implement into your life, small habits that will raise the level of performance of your mind and your body so that you can get more out of yourself. At any point, as I go through this, ask questions as we go along. You can save them to the end if you want, but if something doesn't make sense, then just, just interject and, and we'll talk about it there because you'll get more out of it. You'll forget your questions if you wait until the end. Number one, the first thing that you put in your mouth in the morning, provided that it's food, will dictate your neuro... <laughs> will dictate... Will dictate... You, you got the level of the good <laughs> I, I don't smoke, so I don't want you talking Go. That will, that will, as long as it touches your palate, it will dictate your, your release of neurotransmitters for the entire rest of the day. The first thing that most people consume in the morning is like apple juice or orange juice or, or toast. Okay? If it's a carbohydrate, it will stimulate this, uh, the uh, dominant neurotransmitter to be serotonin. Has anyone heard of serotonin? Yeah. Okay. It's your happy hormone. Yeah, it makes you feel happy and relaxed and promotes feeling of restfulness and, and makes you want to go to sleep, which is great if it's Sunday, but not good if you want to get done over the course of the day and you want to have high levels of motivation. <coughs> what you need if you want high levels of drive and motivation is dopamine and acetylcholine. So the first thing that you eat in the morning should be meat and nuts, specifically meat and nuts. Why? If it's high protein, high fat, it will, uh, it will stimulate the release of dopamine and the nuts are rich in choline, which will stimulate the release of acetylcholine. That one change by itself will cause improvements in body composition without even trying and it will it cause more steady and higher energy levels and higher levels of drive and determination for the whole of the rest of the day, regardless of whatever else that you eat. Okay? So it's a one small trick. You got to... Sorry, this picture's like it was basically a stroke. Because you see, you're looking out the window, and no, it's basically dropped. Yeah. 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 Because what it will also do, the first thing that you eat in the morning, you know, people always say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's the most important meal of the day not to screw up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather people ate nothing than ate the wrong thing. Okay. Because performance will be better. If you, as soon as you raise insulin in the morning, it dictates your insulin release for the whole day. So like oats are better than Frosties, but they're still inferior to, like, like this morning before I came down here, I had venison steak and goat spotted. Um, <laughs> that's a big grand <laughs> yeah. Do you know how dear? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't eat I don't eat nuts myself because my uh, fiance is anaphylactic, so we don't uh, have them in the house. Have them house. Yeah, that's right. um, but yeah, so fat and protein. Okay, first thing in the morning. And no carbohydrate. No, no. You'll get leaner without even trying. I'd, uh, at my fiance's old work, there's two people, one female, one male. The male did nothing to lose weight, and uh, he bet one of the females that was running 12 miles a week that he could lose more weight than she could in a month. He did the smart thing and hacked it and just called me and said, what do I do? I said, just change breakfast. I said, just, the only thing he changed was breakfast. He didn't change any other, other things. He lost more weight than she did in a month when she was running 12 miles a week, and he did no exercise. God, sounds like mine. So, it, it so was red meat. Protein shakes, no? 
protein, protein shakes are a step in the right direction, but they're not as good as red meat. Um, so, and if you have a protein shake, you have to add a shit ton of fats. Okay, so nut butter, coconut oil, real butter. One of the best ones is this. Teaspoon of, um, of cocoa, yes. uh, green and blacks yeah, yeah. Uh, cocoa, yeah. um, scoop of whey protein, yeah. a tablespoon of coconut oil, a tablespoon of salted butter, uh, blend it in slightly lukewarm water. It's like a really creamy hot chocolate first thing in the morning. It's amazing. It'll optimize everything. It's, it's like salted chocolate. That's all the rage right now. This Have you got a website? Yes, is it was from a website. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Do you use those? those brilliant, you know, I've, got, I've just got myself a new shelf. Sorry, a new shaker thing. Um, but it's a whizzy. Magic bullet. Yeah. 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 It's got it, uh, that, that recipe is adapted from bulletproof coffee. Bulletproof coffee is uh, regular coffee, tablespoon of coconut oil, tablespoon of butter, a little bit of cayenne pepper, a little bit of cinnamon. Blend it. It emulsifies the fats. It goes like a latte. It's amazing, and it increases fat loss as well. So, next one. Um, there's over a trillion chemical reactions happen in the body every second just to keep you alive. 90% of them are based on water. Be hydrated. Just end of. Make sure you stay hydrated. Um, 33 milliliters. Don't write this down. Ali made the notes. 33 milliliters of water per kilogram of body weight per day. Okay. So the old recommendation of two liters, the two liters for a 100 kilo male and two liters for a 50 kilo female. It's yeah. not really going to be the same thing. So 33 mil times by your body weight. And the top tip with water is to alkalize it by squeezing limes into it. It alkalizes the water. It improves, improves fat burning, improves immune function, improves digestive function, improves skin. What clarity. about cucumber? Can you slice cucumber in? Does that do yeah. anything at all? Uh, relative to limes, not really, but it's better than nothing. Is lemon? Lemon is um, about 70% as uh, effective as limes. So it's still good. You can alternate between the two. It's cool. So, yeah, lemon water. And lemon um, improves liver detoxification as well. Um, okay, so split your uh, nutrition, all right? Fats and proteins in the start of the day, red meats, white meats and carbs in the evening, okay? White meats contain something called tryptophan. Tryptophan causes your brain to want to go to sleep and be relaxed. Carbs both raise tryptophan and raise serotonin. So if you eat carbs at night, you sleep better. Don't worry about storing body fat from carbs at night. It's complete BS. It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. As long as you don't overeat the wrong type of carbs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying smash pizza every night. <laughs> Sweet potato, new potatoes and things like that. Absolutely fine, but it'll help you sleep better. Okay. Um, uh, sleep hygiene. That brings me to the next thing. Sleep is massive. Your body resets its entire endocrine system when you're asleep. Okay. If you don't sleep, if you don't get good quality sleep, and then you look at the metabolic profile of somebody that doesn't get good quality sleep, it's horrendous. All of the, all of the markers are completely out of whack. Cortisol, growth hormone, uh, fasted insulin, fasted blood sugar. You can eat a ketogenic diet and have um, it, it on blood sugar scales very, very quickly. 100 in American measurements is diabetic. Seven, uh, 67 is perfect where it should be. Okay. Most people are around about 70-something because of like diet and lifestyle. You can eat a ketogenic diet, which has no carbohydrate in it whatsoever, only get five hours of disrupted sleep, and your blood sugar will be 85. Okay? It's serious stuff. Sleep should be prioritized. If you, if you sleep really, really well, you will enhance brain function in every single aspect and endocrine function in every single aspect. Okay? So here's my sleep hygiene tips. Number one. The room should be like the bat cave. It should have absolutely zero light whatsoever. If you can see the walls, it's too light, okay? The skin can see light, okay? So if you have somebody who's asleep in a pitch, pitch, pitch black room, and you shine a torch on their feet, they will wake up. 
because it shuts down melatonin production in the brain, which is the hormone that makes you sleep and resets the endocrine system. Right? So it should be blacked out, absolutely dark. Second thing, no TVs, no iPads, no telephones, no gizmos, no nothing in the bedroom. Get them all out. You know those apps that you put under the pillow and it wakes you up at the right time? It's like the worst thing. It's just radiating your brain all night when you sleep. Don't do that. Get rid of them. Um, the, uh, so I can't put my radio on sleeping when I go to sleep. Can't, can't put your radio on. I put my radio on. Yeah. On a half hour sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go to sleep to the radio. Is that? Um, is uh, it, as in it's just a radio, not an iPhone. Just a radio. Yeah, that yeah. should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It should be fine. Um, <laughs> the uh, an iPhone, even if it's switched off properly, switched off, still emits radiation for six yeah. feet around it, so it's not even allowed in the bedroom. Point number three, no screens for half an hour before you go to bed. All screens, especially iPads and phones, emit blue light. Blue light shuts down uh, melatonin production in the brain and on a hormonal level, it's impossible for you to reach REM sleep. If you don't reach REM sleep, you don't get the regenerative effects of, of sleep. Has anyone ever had one of those nights where you think that you slept all night and you wake up knackered? Yeah, just, all yeah, all the time, right? Yeah. That's because you're not hitting REM sleep, okay? You can get less sleep if you hit REM sleep and it's all about the sleep quality. So blue screens really disrupt that. So it's TV, lap, TV off, phone. laptop off. Yeah, half an hour before you want to go to sleep. No screens so whatsoever. That's why I like sitting in bed with a book for half an hour. I yeah. Yeah, yeah. Until I've read. As long as it's a paper book, that's absolutely fine. Can't leave my Kindle. Oh, I can't leave my Kindle in the dark. The, 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 the Kindles that you can't use in the dark that aren't backlit are fine. Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're yeah. Right. As long as you. But you can't read them because it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my clock is. I can't make my room dark. Yeah. Um, is it is it red? Get a red one. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because because red uh, the red doesn't disrupt melatonin production. It's the opposite end of, end of the spectrum of light. Um, use a light based alarm clock. This is massive. The way that you're designed to wake up, the way that we're evolved to wake up, is when sunlight rises and natural light seeps in through the translucent parts of the skull and the eyelids, <coughs> and it gradually shuts down melatonin production <coughs> and gradually raises cortisol. So you know in the, in the summertime when you wake up and it's bright and you just kind of wake up and think, all oh, right, brilliant, let's crack on with the day. Well, a Lumi body clock, you get about 50 quid on Amazon, and they gradually get lighter and lighter and lighter, and it draws you into consciousness so that when you wake up, you actually want to get up, you're actually ready to get up. Waking up with an alarm, it is an alarm. <laughs> it is a fight or flight stress response. It's like waking up to a bear growling at the front of your cave. It is not a good idea. It sends you into fight or flight first thing in the morning. And that is going to disrupt all of your glucocorticoid production for the whole of the rest of the day. It's the worst possible way to wake up. Okay? So. <laughs> magnesium. All right? Magnesium has over 400 functions in the human body. Everybody, 100% of the population are deficient unless you um, supplement with it. Okay, in 1980, 80% of the population was deficient, and the food chain's gotten worse, and stress levels have gotten higher. So I would estimate that 100% of the population are completely deficient in magnesium. If you're deficient in magnesium, you, your body can't calm the nervous system down. Okay, my clients would literally lynch me if I ran out of magnesium. It has that much of an impact on sleep. We actually, we actually use a classic drug dealer model, business model, for selling magnesium. <laughs> we give people a sample, they come in the next day like, give me a bottle. <laughs> it's, it's that profound. It will redefine. Yeah, it, well, uh, no, it isn't, it isn't addictive. Actually, when you raise the, the levels, you can reduce the dose and you get the same um, benefit from it. 
the, the, the side effects improve, it include improved insulin sensitivity, better immune function, leaner, more muscle, like all of those things without even trying, just by optimizing your magnesium levels. So magnesium glycinate is the uh, superior form. Um, and uh, I would recommend for males two grams a day for a month, which is a lot. That's normally something along the region of like 25 capsules a day. It's a big investment, but the results are massive. And then you can drop it down to like four capsules a day and be absolutely fine. For females, um, half that. Um, limit sugar, okay? Sugar has only been in the human diet for the last 200 years, right? If you add um, a, a, a rugby pitch, and um, when Homo sapiens first come on the scene is the first blade of grass at one end of the football pitch, okay? When sugar enters the human diet in terms of human evolution is the last eighth of an inch of the track, okay? That's how long it's been in our genome. We are not designed to, to cope with it. It is a castration agent for males, um, it is a thyroid toxin. It is um, obviously uh, a pancreatic toxin as well. Um, it feeds fungal infections in your gut um, and it disrupts your ability to, uh, to sleep and concentrate and, and a whole world of other endocrine functions. Processed sugar? Yeah. As opposed to sugar you're actually eating fruit? Uh, yeah, whole fruit's not a problem. Don't worry about whole fruit. Uh, fruit juices are terrible for you. One glass of orange juice contains the same amount of sugar as a can of Coke. It's awful for you. Um, but yeah, real sugar, limit it. Once a week, absolute maximum consumption of real sugar. If all you ever did was eliminate sugar from, from your diet, you'd be 80% of the way towards a healthy lifestyle if you did nothing else. That's the big one, okay? And read all food labels because sugar's in, like, I had a client that couldn't lose any weight and I was looking at what he was eating. I was like, why is this guy not losing any weight? And then I said to him, what are you eating at lunchtime? Are you eating what I said? He goes, yeah, I'm eating soup. I'm like, are you making it? He says, no, I'm buying the Covent Garden stuff. You look on the packet, sugar's the third ingredient. So cut that out. You lost like a stone in a month just by cutting out Covent Garden soups. Um, just about having a donut yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no more for a while. Fruit juice. I know, I was looking at that. Okay, I'm, um, I'm a huge fan of, of being able to give people things that they can do for free um, it, to, to improve lifestyle and things that you can do every single day. The biggest thing that has had an impact on me in, in, in my entire life is uh, being able to meditate, is learning how to meditate. It is absolutely astounding. The research that's being done on meditation right now is, is very, very robust research. You're talking about MRI studies, where people actually look at the physical changes that happen in the brain when people meditate, during meditation, and you know over, over periods of time of meditation. We have a set point, all of us have a set point of happiness, okay? Here is extreme right brain, here is extreme left brain. Down here is people that have like, you know, like Buddhist monks and stuff like that. They just, they laugh at everything, they can't get upset. You can tell them that they're dying and they just kind of take it and be absolutely fine. They don't get stressed out. Down here is violent criminals, okay? Everyone's on a spectrum at some point in this. Meditation moves you to the left, okay? So if you want to be happier, learn how to meditate. It doesn't matter what car you've got, how much money you have or anything like that. You'll be happier if you learn how to meditate. Secondly, people who meditate create less, produce less glucocorticoids, which are your stress hormones, when they get stressed, okay? So I always say you can't control how much stress happens in your life, right? You know, if your daughter comes home and she tells you that she's pregnant, she doesn't know which member of the rugby team is the father, and the inland revenue serve you for tax investigation, and, and it all happens on the same day, and you total your car, you can't control everything that happens in your life. But imagine if every single stress, you just got less stress to it. So your body was more robust, you were more resilient to it. Meditation does that, and it's free, and you can learn how to do it straight away. The top form that I recommend is something called Transcendental Meditation, okay, or TM. Um, 
It's a massive global network. This type of meditation is not based on anything spiritual. It's not based on anything religious or anything like that. It's a, it is a physiological method that literally has those, those, those um, uh, physiological and neurological uh, impacts on the brain and improves the function of your prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is uh, the center of the brain that does all higher thought and, and advanced planning and thinking. That will function better. It's like your brain's CEO. It will function better if you learn how to meditate. It costs about 250 quid to learn how to meditate, but then you can do it in 20 minutes in your car. You can do it absolutely anywhere. And, it's, and it has over 350 um, peer-reviewed studies published in journals. So it's a very, very robust form of meditation. And the last one, am I still un under time? Am I running over? A couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. I don't think I want you to no, stop. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've got seven hours of 18, so far. <laughs> 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 I'm fine. Okay, cool. Um, grateful log, okay? What? The, the, a grateful log. Yeah. yeah. All right? Okay, it's absolutely massive. Hey, thankfulness. So ah. Yes, being, being, being grateful and being thankful. Um, as soon as you say thank you for something that happens in your in your life that is good, it makes you realise that the world's not such a bad place. You know, we can all get wrapped up in our own little dramas and, and our own crap that goes on in our lives and start to think like, oh, woe was me and the world's a terrible place and I lost two clients today and all that sort of stuff. And when you actually realise that, okay, there is a lot of things that are good in your life that can be thankful for, your cortisol levels, your stress hormone levels drop immediately, okay? So a grateful log, there's, there's a couple of different ways of doing it. My favourite is to do it uh, before bed because it, it winds you down and it, and it promotes good sleep. I've had people with chronic sleep problems that have been on all sorts of medications and supplements and all that sort of stuff and nothing's ever helped them. They do a grateful log and they come in the next day like, wow, I actually slept for eight hours. And it's just because they're, we've all got a lot of crap, right? We go through it in our heads when the lights are off and, and we're at home. So all you do is very, very simple. Step one, write down five things that you're grateful for in your life. Easy. Right? Everyone can find something. It makes you realize that the world's actually not that bad. There are good things. Think good things do happen. Step two, write down a few things that you're grateful for that you don't have yet. Because it plants those seeds in your mind and it gets you thinking on a positive track. And subconsciously, it plants that thought in your mind so that you can see opportunities to get those things when they come up. Okay? I'll give you a really, a really um, short example. I was um, practicing seeing the blessing in everything. One day, it's just like something I do every, every now and then where you, you just try to see the world more positively for a day. Okay? It takes a little bit of concentration, but it makes, makes your mood a lot better. I walked into Sainsbury's, and I thought, oh, shit, I left my wallet in the car. I went back to the car, <clears throat> got my wallet out of the car, came back, and across me walked a woman holding flowers with a big smile on her face. And I thought to myself, I'll get some, some flowers. I got my fiance some flowers, I went home, I gave her some flowers, and she just happened to have had a really crap day that I didn't know about. And it was just one of those things where it, it, it was an amazing kind of little thing that just really brightened up her day and, and all that sort of stuff. If you're not willing to see the opportunities as they're there, you miss everything. Your brain processes out and filters out 90% of every piece of information that comes to you. So your, your worldview literally determines how you see things. So if you want to see things in a more positive light, you have to plant that seed. Okay? And this is a little bit of slate that I picked out of my front garden, but it's a grateful rock. Okay, and all this is, I put it in my pocket, I carry it around with me, and when I get home at night and I empty out all of my pockets, I get this thing, and it's just a token that's a trigger for me to think about something that I'm grateful for that happened today. And the difference that that has made to like my mood and my stress levels over the last six months since I've been doing it is epic. Same thing in the morning. Pick it up in the morning, and you just think, oh, I'm grateful for, insert whatever it is I'm grateful for. It's a nice little token to do. And it's free, um, which is good. Avoid calorie deficits would be the last one. 
Calorie deficits. Everybody likes to diet. To, well, nobody likes to diet, but everybody does diet to try to lose body fat and to try to look good. I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, psychologically, we are not built to diet. It is the worst possible thing that you can do in terms of your relationship with food, which is almost as important as your as your relationship with you know anything else that you might have in your life. Calorie deficits create stress in the body on a physiological level and on a psychological level, and they are completely and utterly unnecessary for fat loss. If you want to be in good shape, it's about what you eat, not how much you eat. Okay, The body's got a tremendous ability to be able to go all the way up to this level of calorie consumption, all the way down to this level of calorie consumption. Tracking how many calories you eat is completely asinine. There is no benefit to it whatsoever. Take, for example, somebody says, oh, okay, I ate an orange. Okay, well, did you take into account that the orange is at the end of the, tr end of the tree? The calories are more available than the oranges at the middle of the tree. You know, it's impossible to calculate how many calories you ate on a daily basis, and it's impossible to calculate how many calories you burn on a daily basis unless you're in what they call a metabolic chamber, which is an airtight chamber where they literally measure what the change in oxygen is. It's the only way to estimate it. So it's pointless. It's ridiculous. I've gotten guys down to, I can show you photos of guys that I've gotten down to 5% body fat, and we, I never had any idea how many calories they were eating whatsoever. It's all about what you eat. The biggest tip with that is to use what I call the paleo diet as a template. People, people, people use this and they get quite sort of almost borderline religious with it. It's just about eating. It, seriously, you get people that are like, oh no. You get people that are like, I'm not eating green beans because it's not paleo. It's like no one eats a paleo diet. You can't. No one hunts deer for lunch. It, it doesn't happen. Okay? Um, 40,000 years ago, an apple would have been like a crab apple, right? It, it would have been small, waxy, fibrous, hard to digest piece of fruit. No one eats a paleo diet. But what we can do is go back to the types of foods that our body should be working on, which are natural foods that grow in the ground. So I would say if it flew, grew, ran, or swam, eat it. If it didn't, probably don't eat that. So, you know, bread didn't grow in the ground. Don't eat bread. It's very, very simple. What about spelt bread? Spelt bread is less bad for you than normal bread and infrequently can be included in a diet without negative impact, but I would not start my day with it every day. Um, the, the, the best way to eat is, is, is the most natural possible way that you can eat. Um, and, and if you use that, like that's why I said use it as a starting point, use it as a template. Okay, If it flew, grew, ran, or swam, fine, it's probably good to go. If it didn't, you should probably have it as a treat every once a week or something like that. Okay. Um, what about the theory that actually the blood type, the genetics, how where your blood type comes from? Those types of people need to eat different things. So O's need to eat more meat, A's need to eat more agrarian. It's a nice thought, but there's no evidence for it. The, um, there's, there's evidence that different blood types respond differently to disease, but there's no solid evidence. It's been looked at. Um, I, I've read both of the books yep. by uh, Dr. Diadamo, um, and uh, it, it, it is a, it's a really nice theory, but it just doesn't correlate with anything when they actually look at it on the genetic level. It's just, yeah, it's from purely observing people. Yeah. I know people are pushing eat so much meat, and it turns out that they're O's, and mm. I eat lots of vegetables and I'm an egg, so it just has yeah. to be. Like I say, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't throw it out, I wouldn't dismiss it. But I just can't give an opinion on it because there's no there's no science on it at this point, and the science that, that there is on it is is very tenuous at best. So I wouldn't throw it out. I wouldn't dismiss it and just be like, oh, it's a load of nonsense. I mean, I'm an O and I eat about two kilos of meat a day, so which is expensive. Trust me. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> there's, 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 there's an awful lot of chewing going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you know, um, I think I think one of the biggest things with with nutrition um, is you've got to look at the big picture. 
you got to get the big picture right. So often people get so bogged down in finite details when it comes to nutrition and counting things and weighing things. Like I've literally seen people with scissors trimming a chicken breast because the spreadsheet said 120 grams and it was 140 grams. I'm like, give me break like it's not necessary it just isn't at all and the, the, the best thing that you can do nutritionally if, if fat loss is the is the goal is to go on a rotation diet so I always use the rule of three with my clients this is like advanced stuff people pay a lot of money to get this so you, you guys are privileged today um, it's a rule of three whatever food you eat today don't eat it again for three days so if today you eat pork and cod tomorrow you eat salmon and chicken next day you eat beef and lamb the next day you eat venison and python <laughs> python seriously that's lots of different types of red meat to start your breakfast off isn't it yeah yeah exactly yeah I, you just and you just like it you do the same with vegetables as well it, most people if you actually made a list of the foods that you eat and you broke it down to the ingredients that you eat most people eat 17 foods period yeah. their whole life and what happens when you do that is that your immune system learns to attack those foods like i i was i was drinking coffee like five times a day um, and that's why I've not had any for six months because my immune system was trying to kill it every time I drank it. I was having an, an, an allergic response to it that was silent. It was it was in the background in my body. I cut out coffee and all of the other foods that I was intolerant to. I made no change to my calorific consumption whatsoever. I made no change to how much I ate. I just cut out the foods that I was reactive to. I dropped 3% body fat in two weeks just by, just by eliminating those foods. The test is expensive. It's like five... £600 for the test, but it's, it's worth every penny. Well, that was a fantastic foresight. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, you Thank you very much. Cheers.